now for all of you. If you need a title for a sermon, this title will be Don't Bury It Yet. The definition of contentment is a state of being satisfied or the source of satisfaction. Contentment, being content. We're going to talk about being content and faith at the same time. Having faith and being content with God gives you. Contentment is a discipline and it's hard. How many of us find ourselves longing to be content with our lives, with our bodies, marriages, finance, circumstances, friendships that we have been given? Envy and ungratefulness, comparison or fear of things that stop us from living with contentment. Contentment is not a static state of being. It's the active pursuit of the life God has given you. It's being ready to be obedient to God's guidance in every season. It requires laser focus on what God has for you without being distracted what could be instead. Contentment means we have to abandon the pursuit of perfection and instead strive for God's beauty and redemption in our lives. Seeing God's beauty often takes a change in mindset and not circumstances. Contentment is a posture. It is being in the presence of God's first before we pursue action. Contentment. It's a strategic stillness in our lives so we can have the right focus. Contentment feels like a strong sense of faith that your life is only possible because you're connected to your creator. It's living as though God is your strength and your portion. Now, on the other hand, we have faith. There is faith. I want you to understand that faith is a spiritual substance. When you have the spiritual substance in you, it communicates to you a certain inner knowing that the things that you're hoping for is certainty to be established. Even before you see any material evidence that it has been already happened. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith is the substance the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I'm hoping for it and I truly believe it, but I can't see it. We talked about this in, uh, in nauseam this morning. I might not be able to see air, but I know it's there. Amen? Amen. I know I might not see it, but I know when it's not there. Amen? Mm -hmm. To have faith is to be fully convinced in the, of the truthfulness and the reliability that you, which you believe. You have to believe with it, with all your heart, with all your might. Faith in God then is having the kind of trust and confidence in God and in Christ that leads you to commit your whole soul to him as Savior and Lord. I have to have so much faith that I am totally convinced, not partially, totally convinced. Every part of my being has to believe that God is God. Every part of my being has to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. How do I show that? By my demonstration, I, I'm, I'm demonstrative of that, a way I live, how I love, how I share, how I forgive. You can't do this and believe in God and live the way you want to live. When God is my source and my sustainer, when God is my leader, I follow him without any equivocation. No answers. No questions. I follow him. Amen? Amen. This is leading up to this story. This is the story of a Shunammite woman 
let's look at, the, at these life lessons of faith and contentment and how we can apply it towards our life. Look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, Brother Ryan. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. Uh -huh. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly, but let us make a small upper room on the wall, and let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. This woman's miraculous story would have never happened if she had not been a woman who offered hospitality. All this story starts by someone that's offering hospitality. Someone that has a good heart. Someone that's looking out to help someone. She noticed that these two men were traveling past her home time after time and knew one of the men was a holy man of God. Our text says she persuaded them to eat some food. I've seen women like her many times. When you stop by to see my grandmother, there's no way and no how she's going to leave her house without eating something. Amen? Amen. She is always hospitable. If you brought a friend, they ate too. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Hold on. Not just regular love, fervent love. See, the problem with some of us is that we just do enough just to get by. We have not, when we talked about this this morning, not being called out. When people hate to be called out on their stuff. It's just, I just do just enough to get by. I'm going to get to heaven on a 65. Just enough to squeak by. But look at what he's saying here. He said, this woman, of, he said, and above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of what? Of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> You ever see people do stuff and sit and then complain about it? It's a sin. Complaining about it. Don't do it if you're going to complain about it. Amen. And don't get mad when people call you out on your stuff. Be hospitable without grumbling. Amen? Amen. But our Shunammite woman takes things a step further and has a great idea. She has a room built for Elisha, a place where he and his servant Jehazi can retreat and rest. Now that's hospitality. Having a room added onto your home. I'm not saying that everybody should do that. Amen? A Shunammite was a noble woman who delighted in showing hospitality to Elisha. The Lord surely took note of this and wanted to reward her of a long forgotten desire of her heart. All this started, this seed started because the woman was hospitable. She was friendly. See, we live in a time now, people are not friendly. They'll speak to you, but they're not really friendly. They don't want you in your house. They don't want to be, they don't want to get close to you. They just, just want to do just enough to get by. I want you to see this now. In return for all the good things that she was doing to ensure the comfort of his servant. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now this is what God is saying. He who receives a prophet shall receive a prophet's what? Reward. 
You're getting blessed by doing or taking care of God's man. Keep going. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. This is not Brother Copeland saying this. This is what God says. Elisha decided he wants to do something nice for the hospital woman, hospital, hospitable woman. They call her to the upper room and have a chat, and it goes like this. Go to 2 Kings again, chapter 4, verse 13. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Now, the times I used to say when people want to do things for me, I said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Sorry, that's all right. But what I'm doing is I'm cutting your blessings off. You're trying to bless me. God's going to bless you. Amen. That's how it works. Didn't we just read that in Matthew chapter what, uh, chapter 10, verse 41? Amen. See, now Elisha is telling her, he said, look, you have been concerned with us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. She said, I do what? I dwell among, I dwell among my own people. She basically is saying is, I'm content. She could have requested anything, but she simply said, I'm content, and leaves the room. Did I just hear the righteous woman say that she's content with her life? How many of us would have said right now, or, right, or would say this right now, do you need anything? If somebody walked up to you right now, do you need anything? No, I'm good. Amen? Really? Really, you're in the Lord's house. Rather remind you it's the Lord's day. Really, if somebody walked up to you, are you content? Can I get you anything? Whatever you want, just what do you want? Just tell me what you want. Are you really going to say, no, I'm good? No. You know that if Elijah had asked you what he could do for you, you'd have came up with a whole laundry list of stuff that you could get, that you needed. But this woman talks about her character. She was content with what God had given her. I want you to understand something. It's different between being content in what you have than being content in God. This is what I got. I'm all right with that. God is going to take care of me. This is what God wants me to have. I'm all right with that. See, the thing is when you want more and more and more, and when you want more of that and less of God. Amen? Are you with me? Amen. The woman said, I'm fine. I got what I need because I got God. That's why you can see people living in mansions, and you got people living in the backwoods, and the ones in the backwoods are more content than the ones in the mansion. How can they be content like that and they have an outhouse? They're, they're fine. You ever look at these people, Alaskan people living in Alaska? They just want to kill one moose. They kill one moose. Oh, they jumping around like they hit the lottery. Because you know now we can eat for the whole year, the whole summer, whatever it is. They're happy. We can go right to AGB. Well, I can walk to Brookshire's right now and go get some meat. I'm going to have to go tomorrow. I'm going to have to go the next day. I don't even have to walk. I can ride in AC. I still can tell you a thousand things that I can. I won't. Amen. But those people were content or are content with what they have. This may we got to get this in our head because the story is going to take a change, and you're going to understand why it's so important that we are content and shows the lack of our contentment in God. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
God is about to dig up a long buried dream for this lady. At the time on the surface, I want you to stay with me, she's saying, I don't need anything. I'm okay. But it's going to show her character, because look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 16, 14 and 16, so, through 16. So he said, when then is it to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Now they call her to the upper room for the second time and lay bare a deep buried secret or dream that she had. She could not bear to have her long buried dream dug up, even if it came to the form of a promise. Ever have a dream like that? One you hold so near and dear to your heart that you don't speak of it? Do you have some things that you really wanted or wanted to do? But now it's past time and you don't even talk about it anymore? We may try to bury them deep, but God sees our heart in every unfulfilled dream that they hold. This woman, however, just like any other, had longed for a child but failed. Then like any other childless woman, had made up in her mind to move on with life. Gradually, she became comfortable with where she was in life. I also, do you see this? This is what it meant to be or show that she was content. She, she wanted a child, but God didn't allow her to have one. So she was okay with that. See, the problem with us is that we want things and we don't get it, we're not content. We like children, I want this. And I say, why they have it, I don't have it. It's a reason why you don't have it. God don't want you to have it. Or God doesn't see if it's not good for you, amen? Everything that's good for them is not good for you. Amen? Amen. The Shunammite woman had accepted God's plan for her life and not having a child and was happy and a joyful woman. But I want you to know that God's delays are not God's denials. Because something takes a long time to come to fruition doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Amen? Amen? But while the time took to go by, the woman was not going around crying, complaining about what she doesn't have. She was okay with it. If it be God's will, that's okay. If it doesn't change, it's okay. God, I'm just going to still serve you. Jesus said, you know what? If this cup shall pass, Father, let it pass. But if it be your will, let it be your will and not my will be done. That's how we have to look at life. It's a lot of things that I want. It's a lot of things that I would like. It's a lot of things I would like to go my way, but they're not always going to go my way. It's not always going to be for me. I might see other people blessed more than I think that I have. I might see people blessed and I don't think they deserve to be blessed. But that's not up to me, that is up to God. Amen? Amen. I have to be content with what I have. We have people walking around here that you know what? They are never going to be content. Never. They're always going to find something wrong with something. You've, gotten, you've, given, you've been blessed beyond measure. Other people will look at you and will love to take your life. But you walk around complaining about what you don't have. You will never, ever be content. Because you know why? You're not happy with yourself. 
This woman was happy like she was. The man asked her, what do you need? I'm good. Not only that, she was looking to help somebody else. How the story starts off? She was being what? Hospitable. Hospitable. She wasn't sitting around closing her door, didn't want to deal with people. I just don't like dealing with folks. I don't like having company. I don't like doing that. How are you going to be blessed like that? How do you think God is going to bless you like that? He loves you so much that you know what? Whatever you, you do and whatever you act, God's going to be all right with it. This Shunammite woman showed you, she showed you how we are to get our blessings. Looking out for others before we look out for ourselves. Being content and happy with whatever condition we're in. Amen? Amen. The Shunammite woman had accepted God's plan for her life and not having a, ch a child. She was happy and a joyful person. But I want you to know that God's delays, again, are not God's denials. There were three answers. There, God has three answers to prayers. One is yes, no, and wait. There are time and timing involved. We must, we must give God the freedom to work out the timing. Whatever you're about to give up, I'll stop to tell you, don't bury it yet. So the title of the sermon is Don't Bury It Yet. Some of us give up so easily and quit. Walk away from a situation rather than just wait on the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 to 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. He said, for you have need of what? Endurance. Endurance. I got to hold on. I got to hold on. I got to be able to handle this. It might not happen when I want it to happen. So I got to hold on to it. Some of us just give up. We give up on people. We give up on relationships. Some of us at the sight of when anything happens, we quit. We take our ball and we go home. We get mad. Your blessings are in that. Guys want to see how long you're going to sit there and you're going to handle that. Endure. The text tells us that the prophet Elisha called the woman and told her that she was about to have a son by the time next year. The prophecy was fulfilled and the woman had a child, but the narrative was not over. The Bible further tells us that the boy grew up into a, a fine little boy. Then disaster strikes. Now the woman's response to the tragedy is very interesting. Ryan, go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. I want you to look. Remember what she said when he said that you're going to have a boy. She said, he said don't, don't, don't lie to me. Don't give, I'm content. I don't talk about it. I don't bring it up. But don't get my hopes up. I'm all right. I'm good. If I never have a kid, I'm fine, God. I'm going to worship you and I'm going to serve you. But don't get my hopes up. Man of God, don't get my hopes up. But you got to understand something. When God gives it to you, when God gives you a miracle to you, He's going to make sure that he filled, he's filled that fruition. He brought it to you. He brought it to you for a reason. Let's look at what, what's inside this. Second King chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers. Uh-huh. So he's running around outside in the heat. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So the boy has a heat stroke. Keep going. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. Right. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees to noon and then he died. Oh, he died. hold on. After all this... I was fine before he came over here and promised me this. 
I was okay. I was content in my life. Now all of a sudden, I got my hopes up. He gave me a promise, and I got a boy. I have a child. And all of a sudden, now, I have to sit there and watch my child die. It would have been better if I wouldn't have never had one. I was content like I was. See, a lot of us are scared to step out on God's faith because we know it. we're worrying about what might happen. But look what happens here. After all this time of waiting for God to give her child, now the child dies. I know this woman was crying uncontrollably, screaming hysterically, probably about to lose her mind. Remember what we talked about, contentment and faith. Contentment and faith. Now look at what this woman does in Second uh, King chapter 4, verse 21 through 22. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Hold on, didn't we just hear that last week? Uh-huh. Shut the door. Ain't there something? Just see how that ties in? Here we go again. She didn't talk to nobody. She didn't get on the phone and call folks. She didn't. She shut the door. Look what she does. This is what I tell you all the time. Minding your own business. Having your relationship with God over and over again. Look at verse number 22. Then she called to her husband and said, what? And said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Hold on, hold on, hold on. She tell her husband to bring me some donkeys. Did she tell him that the son was dead? Wouldn't you have? Junior died. Junior's dead. No. She realized where that baby came from. That baby came from God. She didn't run out there telling everybody hollering and screaming and all that. She didn't want to call the PM. She said, get me a donkey. I'm going to go to the source where the baby came from. I'm going to take it back to the manufacturer. That's who's going to fix this because God gave it to me. Amen. Amen. It goes and tells us when our children, when they were young, you called everybody. You're on the phone telling everybody what's going on. You should have called God. Amen. This woman even talked to her husband. Do you realize that the kids can hear you talking about them in your house? <laughs> you keep calling somebody stupid. What do you expect you're going to get out of them? Stupidity. Amen. You call on God. You know how many times you know I talked about my kids? In my car. I said, you just don't know. These are, you know what? They ain't heard nothing between me and God. Fix them, God. Help them, God. You can't keep talking about them, berating them, and going back and talking to this person, that person. What happens when they, now you're talking about that when they're 10, 15, 16 years old. But what happens when they're 30 years old and you talking about, I need you to come back to the church? What they going to come back to? Everybody in the church know their business. Everybody, I'm honest with you. I'm not telling you some things I think, I'm telling you what I know. This woman said, then she called out to her husband and said, please send one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Nowhere else. Instead of arranging for the, the boy's funeral, she placed him in Elisha's bed and she took off. This was very important on the historical part because Jews normally, almost entirely, buried their dead in 24 hours. They don't leave them out. Elisha was 15 miles away. 
You know how we do. When I mean how we do black folks, you leave them out all, a whole two months. You gotta wait for everybody to get into town. They would have been buried a long time ago. This is an act of faith. She didn't say nothing to her husband. She didn't say nothing to anybody. She said, I gotta go talk to the man of God. She believed God could raise her son from the dead. Her child died the same day in her, in her lap. She immediately left and found Elisha and asked him to come heal her son. Elisha came back with the woman and showed him, can I tell you again, no matter what you're going through, don't bury it yet. Stop giving up on people. Stop giving up on stuff. It shows your character. It shows that you have no faith. Don't give up on people. We can be sure this son born of their, of their old age was very precious to the parent. So when he died, it would have been much more severe blow and a loss to their life. See, this was a child of promise, a child of prayer, given in love, yet taken away. Sometimes we receive a promise, but the promise is taken away. What do we do then? It's amazing to see how this mother maintained her faith and confession in spite of her child's death. One thing I want you to see, she guarded her lips. When her husband or the prophet asked her, is everything all right? By faith she answered her, yes. She undoubtedly believed that since the child's birth had been a miracle, then another miracle could restore him to her. This is exactly the way we all should respond to God in our times of refinement. We must not complain, turn our backs on God, or return to our old ways, but fully submit ourselves to God's authority and allow him to refine our faith and to let it grow. When we do, God is faithful and to honor and reward us, just like us today. Her faith required little more, a little more work. Elisha was at the school of the prophecy on Mount Carmel. This grieving mother immediately traveled to him and threw herself at the prophet's feet and held on to him in distress. Finally, she interceded. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? The Hebrew of that phrase hints at a person being tricked. She was pretty much saying that you tricked me. I told you I was okay. I was fine, but you gave me this child and you got my hopes up and now all of a sudden the child is dead. Was she to get a gift only to have it cruelly withdrawn? Elisha sent Jehazi to raise the child, but she didn't move. She was like those who won't trust anybody but God himself. What I'm saying is that he sent Jehazi to go and do it. She didn't leave. I'm waiting on God. I don't care what y'all said, I'm waiting on God. There are times we don't need to go tell other folks what's going on in our lives. There are times we must look to Christ and Christ alone. When the prophet arrived at the house, he, he found the child dead upon his own bed. He went through the various steps of process of raising the child. He went to Jehazi with his staff to no avail. And he and Jehazi prayed to God for the child, still nothing happens. He stretched himself out on the child as if it would communicate some of his own life into the child. Still nothing happened. The text records the child's body became warm from his heat. Still no life was in him. Can I tell you that what may look dead is not dead, so don't bury it yet. He put his mouth to mouth as to breathe into him the breath of life. There's still no resurrection of this dead young man. Elisha walked out of the room. Oh, but don't bury him yet. 
the prophet Elisha went down from the room and walked around the lower levels of the house, possibly to the child's room. Then went back up and stretched himself upon the child again, probably in the same manner, face to face, body to body. He left the room like he had given up. Let's look at what 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 34 through 36. We're getting ready to close. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house. And the Hold on. Hold on. Stop right there. You see all this going on? See, now, when I want you to see something here, not only has she was taught a lesson, but also the prophet was taught a lesson. Not for him to give up either. You know, a lot of times I'm telling y'all not to give up. But a lot of times God is telling me, don't you give up either. I need you for the long run. People are going to turn on you. People are going to talk about you. People are going to do all kinds of things. See, they're not going to understand what you and I are going to go through. Me working with you. How God is working you. They don't understand the, 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 the diameters of your life. Not only you deal with the church, you got to deal with your own family. Then you have to deal with your, 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 your siblings. And then you have to deal with other people. And everybody wants you. Everybody's jockeying for position. And you have to be able to deal with it. Don't you give up early. Look what he did. As he went to lay on the child, he put his mouth to mouth, his eyes on his hand, eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hand, and he stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh and began he returned and walked back and forth in the house. He's like, oh man. He could have said, I done did this, I done did that. Have you ever seen those movies where you're in a, in a, um, a medical show when they're just, they're giving compressions? And they're, and they're CPR, and they keep on going, and somebody say, just stop, that's, that's enough. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on going. That's what we both have to do. We got to keep on going. We got to have faith. I'm not going to stop till God says, stop. Amen? And again, went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened Oh, then the child sneezed seven times. Why is it so important that he sneezed seven times? It's a complete number. It's a complete number. He was completely brought back. Amen? Amen? Not partially, completely brought back. And that was a sign that God did this. Amen? Amen. And the child opened his eyes, and he called to Jehazi. He said, call this Shunammite woman. So, so he called her. And when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. Pick up your son. Pick up your son. But don't bury it yet. You know the rest of the story. The prophet went back to the room and the young man sneezed. This miracle of the Shunammite son shows how the miracle was a process of seeking God and trying different things. We all have a measure of faith. We all have a mustard seed. Very small amount of faith. There's all that's necessary for the largest miracle. Tenacity is probably most important than some abstract faith. Tenacity. Well, you just don't give up. Amen. You just keep on going. Brother Taylor, I might not always get it right, but I ain't going to give up. You can be around people that will pull you down every chance they get. They walk on water, but you better make sure that you don't slip. Because as soon as you slip, they, they ain't there to pick you up. They're there to say, I told you. I got you on film. Don't you give up. You keep on going. You keep on walking. You walk by faith and not by sight. 
I trust in God. I answer to God. I know it's a lot of people that have given up. I know it's a lot of preachers that have given up. Because you know why? Sometimes it's overwhelming of the judgment and the responsibility that they have on their shoulders. You might have two or three days you don't do anything, but you might have two or three months that you know what? All hell is breaking loose. All hell is breaking loose. We have to make sure that our faith grows for those times that those winds and those wells and all kind of stuff is happening around that we are strengthened. You can't try to find your faith then. Your faith has to be built up before then. I have to grow. You don't prepare for war in a time of war. You prepare for war in a time of peace. Amen. Now is the time. When we were going through COVID, we didn't look around what was, we were prepared. We had Zoom. When other people didn't have it, we had a web page. We just added to it. You gotta be prepared to grow. You can't just wait and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and then you now all of a sudden, now I'm going to have a relationship with God. You're too late. Amen. You're too late. Now I'm going to start coming to worship a, a bit more faithfully. It's too late. The devil already has you. We need to be, have tenacity and have the faith and the contentment that the Shunammite woman had. I'm going to stop right there. I would have told you I was going to be short today. You wouldn't have believed me. I think some things just need to stop right there. This was a good story. This was a good example for us as the body of Christ and for us individually. Don't give up on things. Don't bury things so fast.